You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. good works. You can't come to God by sacrificing something else instead of your heart. The only way you can come to God is by His grace through faith. Accept Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Everybody sometimes wants to choose God on their tones. We're not calling the shots, guys. We're in no position to say, God, I'm going to do this for you. No. Excuse me. I've already done that for you. People will often try to reach God by doing good things and checking off all the religious boxes. Yet, as Pastor Dave teaches today, you can only come to God through faith. There is no other way to earn your way to Him and to heaven. You must trust in the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. He is the way. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 16. As he continues his message, blessings flow from the presence of God. fellowship offering. That is a a proprietary or conciliary gift. A man, for example, if I made Beatrice cry and had an argument with her and I was mean, I would go and buy flowers. Lots of flowers. (laughs) Tons and tons and tons of, no. And I would give them to her as a offering, as a conciliatory thing, saying, I'm sorry. It would be a banquet. It would be a peace offering. That's the type. To propitiate basically means to make someone pleased or less angry by giving something desire. And conciliary means intended to placate or pacify. These definitions become interesting because the phrase peace offering has come to mean something completely different, almost the exact opposite of what it originally meant in the Bible. The peace offering in the Old Testament law is described in Leviticus 7. It was voluntary sacrifice given to God in three specific instances, as a free will offering. In other words, the worshiper was giving the peace offering as a way of saying, thank you, God. Just thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for all you do for me. Secondly, maybe you made a vow to the Lord and you wanted to fulfill your vow so you would make a peace offering in the fulfillment of the vow. A good example of that, Hannah, when she gave birth to Samuel, remember? She made a vow to the Lord that if he allowed her to have a male child, that male child would serve him forever. And what did she do? She fulfilled her vow by taking him up and giving him to her and making a peace offering. Her heart was towards God. Third purpose of the peace offering was to give thanksgiving for God's deliverance in your hour of need. God's deliverance in the hour. And so you see there was three reasons for giving peace offerings. None of these three reasons of sacrifice had anything to do with propitiation, with appeasing God or pacifying him. It was just something they did out of recognizing who he is, out of recognizing he's a wonderful and awesome God, and that he has given so freely to us, we should give freely back to him. Now today, a peace offering to me could look like service to him. 
Could like, like taking a meal to someone. Could be something like that. It could be a peace offering where we're doing something in the name of the Lord for someone else. Giving back to God. I'm giving back. You've given me so much, Lord. I have to give back to you. And that's what a peace offering is. So the old covenant, the sacrifice is intended to represent propitiation. You can see that in Leviticus 1 and 2. But the understanding that God has always been a God of grace. God's grace was always in vive. He does not expect us to appease him with our works, but only to confess our need and our dependence upon him. God's not looking for your good works, although you're created for good works, but that's not what he's looking for. He's looking for your faithfulness. He's looking for your dependence on him. He's looking for you to confess your sin. Under the old covenant, this relationship was expressed by the sacrifices, which the sacrifices made way for what? The sacrifices pointed to Jesus. Jesus, the cross. All right, it's always Jesus. So in a Bible study, remember, you can never go wrong by saying Jesus in a Bible study. The whole sacrificial system pointed the way to the Messiah, pointed the way to Jesus Christ through the cross. Yes, absolutely. Under the new covenant, in 2 Corinthians 3, 3, it says that the law had been written on our hearts. And now the Holy Spirit of God gives us the power to live accordingly. Romans 8, 8, 1 to 8, and 1 Thessalonians 1 to 5. And the sacrifices we now give are spiritual. The sacrifices we now give are spiritual. And they are living sacrifices. Most sacrifices in the Old Testament system were not eaten by the worshipers. But the peace officer was meant to be eaten. Only a portion of the animal or grain brought to the altar was burned. The rest was given back to the worshiper. They give it back to the worshiper and to the poor and the hungry. Here is a beautiful picture of how God provided for the people, specifically the priests, specifically for those who tended to the tabernacle and tended to God in ministry. They gave back for them to eat. It's a beautiful picture here. His grace and his goodness are present throughout the offerings. In the peace offering, God was providing what we need. And we say, thank you for his goodness and physical substance. Do you wake up in the morning and do you thank him? That's a peace offering. Thank you, Lord, for getting me through the night. Thank you, Lord, for kickstarting my heart once again and making it pump. Thank you, Lord, for this breath that I'm taking. Thank you, Lord. That's a peace offering to God. Just crying out loud to him. God doesn't want anything from you. That's not his heart. But the lie is so often that your good actions will bring about his goodness. That's false. That's false. Our sinful actions, another lie is that our sinful actions must be paid in a personal sacrifice. No, there was one sacrifice. There'll never be another. One sacrifice. The peace offer shows that the worshipers in the Old Testament were not any more responsible for their salvation than the ones in the New Testament. And throughout the ages, people have been tempted to think that sacrifices create God's favor. What is the only thing that pleases God? Faith. 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 says so in Hebrews. The belief is evident in our modern understanding of a peace offering as a propitiation for wrongdoing. But only Christ's sacrifice creates favor with God. And only Christ's sacrifice covers all wrongdoing. Only Christ's sacrifice. The old sacrifices in the Old Testament were a picture of the future cross. It was a picture for things to come. 
And I, and I said, what about these sacrifices? You know, David did this according to the law. David was following the law. David was doing right. He was trying to do what God had told him to do and what he read in the law. David was a man after God's own heart, and he went there. But sacrifices and offering, and all I did was type sacrifices and offering in a website, and it's mentioned 123 times in the, New Te- in the Bible. 123 times these words are mentioned. And, you know, we studied about this in 1 Samuel 15.22. In 1 Samuel 15.22, Samuel says this, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than a fat of rams. For the act for rebellion is the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has already rejected you for being king. He was talking to Saul. But listen to what he said. Are burnt offerings and sacrifice better than obedience? No. No, that's what he's saying here. And then in the beautiful scripture in Hosea, in Hosea, in these beautiful verses, in verse 6, Lord speaking, for I desire mercy and not sacrifice and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. This is Old Testament, folks. And God is speaking to the children of Israel. He's speaking to them about their heart. He's speaking to them about their heart. Beautiful thing. And I love the uh, scriptures in Micah in 6.8. In Micah 6.8, the beautiful scripture there. You probably can quote it. What does the Lord require? He has shown you, O man, what the Lord, what is good and what the Lord does require of you. But that you justly love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. There's no mention of sacrifice there. No mention of this sacrifice. And then in the beautiful scripture of Hebrews, in Hebrews 10, beginning in verse 5 through verse 10, we read this. Therefore, when he, talking about Jesus, came into the world, he said, Sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, sacrifice and offerings, burn offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Jesus replaced the old covenant burn offerings, peace offerings, sin offerings, and those things with his body. He replaced it. He is the Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world. He replaced it. You can't come to God by keeping the law. You can't come to God by getting circumcised. You can't come to God by following the law. You can't come to God by your good works. You can't come to God by sacrificing something else instead of your heart. The only way you can come to God is by his grace through faith. Except Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Everybody sometimes wants to choose God on their terms. We're not calling the shots, guys. We're in no position to say, God, I'm going to do this for you. No. Excuse me. I've already done that for you. I've done that. You don't need to do that. 
I've taken care of that. Well, what do you want me to do, Lord? Surely there's got to be something I can do. Yes, don't call me Shirley and believe. Believe. That's what our work. That's what we're to do. We try to bargain with God or come to God on our terms. Come on, you can do it. The only way we come to God is recognizing that we're a filthy, dirty, guilty sinner. And he has the cure. It's called Jesus Christ. We accept his grace. We ask for mercy. We come to him on his terms. And his terms is coming through Jesus Christ. And as I studied this, you know, the, the, the scriptures just on compounding. Look at all the things I got in my book, all the tags. They just come flying out. This is incredible. I had a good time. <laughs> I did. I had a great time. Uh, some of them, I'll, I'll give you some of them. In Psalm 40, in verse 6, is the same thing that he read in Hebrews. So I'll go to Psalm 51. In Psalm 51, verse 16. In Psalm 51, David is pouring heart out to God because he sinned with Bathsheba and got caught. He's pouring his heart out to God. And he's asking for God's forgiveness in Psalm 51. It's a beautiful prayer of repentance. He's doing this thing because Nathan had called him on it. Nathan had said, that lamb you killed, you're the man that killed that lamb. You're the man. And he says in verse 16, for you did not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You did not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. This is David talking. This is David speaking. In the New Testament, in Matthew 9, verse 13, Jesus says, when Jesus heard this, he was talking to Matthew, the tax collector, who said, follow him. He said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He desires mercy. Jesus poured his mercy out upon us. And in Matthew 12, 7, Jesus again says, but if you had known what it means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. They were condemning Jesus for his, for his, his love. Then, of course, those beautiful, beautiful Roman verse in Romans 12 that we quote all the time. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. This is what God desires. He desires our total devotion. But there's something even neater, something that we all love to do. And that's found in Hebrews 13, verse 15. In Hebrews verse 15, he says, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise. I love that. The sacrifice of praise to God, and that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. I love the sacrifice of God. Praises to our lips. We all love to praise the Lord. We all love to sing his praises and sing his glory. There's be something on our lips should be all the time. I love it when I wake up in the morning and there's a song going through my head and it's a praise song. And I'm singing it. I love that. And then I turn on the radio and it's the exact same song I've been singing all morning. The Lord has his way, right? When this happens... 
The old covenant is disannulled. It's passed away. It's no longer effective. In establishing the new covenant, he had to put away the old covenant. The old covenant's gone. If the old covenant had to work, there would have been no need for a new covenant. But the old covenant didn't work. Man couldn't obey the law. and God knew that. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ. By which it says in Hebrews 10.10, which we will be sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. This is the sacrifice. This is the one. So we have been sanctified through the body of Jesus Christ. I am made righteous through my faith in Jesus Christ. I'm accepted in him. I have a relationship with God today, and he does this all through Jesus Christ. Again, read Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 to know what we have in Jesus Christ. He is my priest. He has broken down every wall. He is my righteousness. I am not righteous without him. He is my sin offering. He takes care of my sin. He took it away. He's my mediator. He's my advocate. He is everything. Without Jesus, I have nothing. And I am nothing. Without Jesus, I have no access to God. I am alienated from God. And I am hopelessly, hopelessly lost apart from Jesus Christ. This is why. David wants to bring the Ark of the Covenant and set it up in the middle of Israel. Set it up there. He didn't set it up in the true tabernacle because that was still in Gibeon. But he made a tent. He makes a tent and they're all singing praises to God. They're all glittering glory to God, forgetting the present there. And there's something extremely important about the presence of God. And when we gather together, when we gather together and when we praise his name collectively, when, when we're having a worship service and we're singing these songs... He begins to move because the scripture says he inhabits the praises of his people. And he moves in and through us and touches our heart by his Holy Spirit. And sometimes he may give you a word of knowledge during the worship. He may give you a word of wisdom. He may give you a word of prophecy. He may have you speak in tongues. He does all sorts of things as we're gathered together praising him and glorifying his name. But that's what happens in the presence of God. And when we're aware of his presence, it's a wonderful thing. It's a glorious thing, and we don't have to take animals and sacrifice them. We don't have to do those things because there's a new covenant. When he gave the communion, he said, take and drink. This is my blood of the new covenant. The new covenant in his blood. That blood ran red, shed for us. And the scripture says, I think it's in Colossians, that when it ran, it erased the law. It ran down, ran and took away all the law. It's like you could take your sins and they nailed them to the cross. And as Jesus was dying, they were bleeding and his blood ran down. It messed up all the ink and your sins were dissolved. I liken it to the fact of when I was a kid, Every Christmas when I was very young, under the tree would be this weird-looking cardboard thing. And it had a plastic thing on the front and a little pencil in it. And I could write things on it or draw pictures, and the carbon on the other side would come through. And if I didn't like it, it just went and ripped it off, and it would clear again. Remember those things? I got one every year. Like, I love those things. I think they're the coolest things in the whole world. Now picture this. The one the Lord had for me was about this big, about this wide. And all my sins were written there. All my sins were there. 
And Jesus on the cross took my sins away. And it's as if they went, and they were gone. And then to make it better, the Lord said, we don't need this anymore. And he threw it in the depths of the sea. And it was gone. And I didn't have to do anything for it except believe and give him thanks and give him praise and give him glory. See, that's what it's all about. He doesn't desire burnt offerings. He doesn't desire peace offerings, although it's good to give him praise offerings. It's good to praise him and say thank you to him. It's good to do things for other people in his name. Don't do them for you, folks. If you're helping people out because you want him to think you're doing good, you've already lost that gig. You're already done there. Do it for your him. Know that he's leading you. He's guiding you to do this thing. Because the scripture says, if you gave a cup of water to the least of these, you've given it to me. To the least of these, you've given it to me. You do it for the Lord as unto the Lord. And what's the song? We, there's a song that we sing the sacrifices of praise. We sing the sacrifice of praise. To the, you, know, you guys know it, right? Yeah. That was, but that's it. We sing a sacrifice of praise. We are constantly walking in a state of thanksgiving. In a state of thankfulness, in a state of wonder, but he could possibly love me and, and, and do what he has done in my life. We don't need to cut ourselves. We don't need to, to put ourselves on an altar. He did it all on a cross. He did it all. He did it all. And he did it for you. He did it for me. He did it for the entire world. He did it for you guys out there watching he did it for you. And if you don't know that, if you haven't accepted that, there's no better time like the present to accept that. It's a simple prayer. Lord, I'm a sinner. And I accept your sacrifice on the cross. Jesus, come into my heart. Make me new. Fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. I confess my sin. I declare you as Lord and Savior. I believe that God raised you on the third day. It's a simple prayer. And when you do that, you become a child of God. You become one of his children. We don't need to say, you can understand why I got hung up on those two, two things. You can understand why. And I wanted you to know the difference and what happened, what they had to do. It was tiresome. It was wearisome how they had to do that. I mean, on, on, on Passover alone, on Passover alone, it's every Passover, it is believed that they slaughtered over 200,000 lambs. On Passover alone. Think about that. What they had to do. It's not about a burnt offering. It's not about a peace offering. It's about an offering that was given over 2,000 years ago on a cross by Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the true Lamb of God. And in Him, we find our peace. In Him, we find our hope. In him we find our joy and the joy everlasting. And when you accept him in his heart, he comes in by the Holy Spirit and you are never without the presence of God again. He is always there. Even when you don't feel like it, he's always there ministering to you, comforting you, showing you great things, leading you into the truth. He's always there. He'll never leave you. Remember that. You are sure. Thank you for joining us here today on Assure Hope. In this series, Pastor Dave has been teaching through the book of 1 Chronicles. This book follows the kingship of David from the time he was anointed king by the people until his death. 
Partway through, we watched David become troubled because he had a grand house, but the ark of the Lord remained in a tent. He wanted to build the temple for the Lord, but because he was a man of war, God chose Solomon to build it instead. Still, we see that David's heart was for God every step of the way. When Solomon was going to build the temple, David gave him an offering of gold, silver, and bronze for it. Is there a mission field you'd like to have joined? Don't let the limitations of this life keep you from offering your best. If you can't go yourself, you can still give to the people who God sends. We're so glad we get to spend this time with you today. A Sure Hope is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. If you're in the area, we'd love to see you on a Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.30. And if you're an early riser, come seek the Lord's face together with us in prayer before the services at 7.30. You can find everything you need to know on our website, assurehoperadio.com. Once again, that's assurehoperadio.com. And don't worry, if you can't make it in person, on the website you'll find links to our live stream. Don't forget to come back next time as we study the word together on Assure Hope.